Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Are you, uh, I I wanted to, before we jump into the word today, I'm excited that (laughs) here we are in February and it's uh, the launch of spring life groups. It's not feeling like spring, but we call it spring because of college semesters and all of that. I'm excited for this new round of life groups and I want to encourage you, you know, we're in a season where it is so much easier to be disconnected than connected. And it really does take effort to get ourselves out there. I think for some of our folks who are not um, extroverts, who are introverts, they have been loving this time. But we all need to make sure that we find time to connect with other people. And there's nothing like connecting with other believers, encouraging each other in Jesus. And so I want to encourage you. There's tons of ways that you can get that information online and the booklets that are in the uh, lobby at church. But also, if you have the Church Center app on your phone, you can use that, and it gives you, in under groups, all the different life groups and how they meet and all that information. You can even contact the leader if you have questions about it. But I just want to encourage you today, to while you're playing on your phone sometime, go into the Church Center app and look at the groups and see if there's something that you want to connect with this semester for a couple reasons. One, because... We all need the connection. But y'all, people need your friendship. They need to connect with you. You've got something to offer, something to bring to the table, and you can be a blessing to others. Amen? All right, are you all ready for the Bible today? All right, are you all feeling a little rowdy today? I'm hoping that you're feeling rowdy. And if you're not feeling rowdy, I'm hoping to get you rowdy today because today's message is not a very mamby-pamby kind of like easygoing chill it's actually a really intense message that i'm really excited to bring you today because it's both a preaching and a teaching if you will and it's going to talk about uh this war that we battle in the realm of the spirit we've been in this series called your kingdom come and part of what comes along with god's kingdom is this war that goes on in the heavenlies and here on earth and what's great is I read the end of the book and we win. So that's good news. But we need to know how to battle in that here and now. Amen? All right, so you ready for the Bible? All right, here we go. Matthew 16, verse 18 says this. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I love this verse. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not overcome Jesus' church. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you. Jesus, it is our privilege to come and to bring you glory and honor. Oh, creator of the universe, creator of our our souls and our lives, Lord, we worship you and we honor you and we thank you for who you are, Lord God. We just bring you, Lord, our hearts. We bring you our minds. We bring you ourselves and say, God, we are yours 100%. And today, Lord, we just trust to hear from you, from your word, by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your ability to speak to us. And Lord, I pray that we would each hear something that would unlock or give us keys, Lord, to what you are doing in our lives and and what's around us, Lord. Lord, I pray for the empowerment 
of your spirit, God, to share what's in your heart. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Amen. So in this series, Your Kingdom Come, we saw early on in Isaiah chapter 9 that Jesus would reign over his kingdom. And it says this amazing thing, the increase of his government and peace will never end. That God's kingdom is going to move forward forever and the increase of his government the increase of his peace it's never going to see an end so when jesus makes this statement in matthew chapter 16 i will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it he is just right in line with what's already been prophesied about him and his ministry and his kingdom that he's going to establish a church and the church is going to win it's going to do great and you know we recognize that We have an enemy, and I think that one of the things that's interesting about the scripture that we just read is it doesn't say that that hell is not going to overcome heaven. It says that the gates of hell will not be over to hold back the kingdom of God, which is a really interesting phrase, an interesting way to look at that. It means that we're winning and the enemy is losing. It also means that we're on the offense. The increase of his government will never end. And we know that there are these struggles in the spiritual realm. And it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We say it over and over and over. People are not our enemy. They are our mission field. What do we struggle against? Against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. And today what I want to do is I want to give you wisdom From God's words, wisdom that will make you wise against the devil's schemes, wisdom that will give you, uh, make you wise against the devil's tactics. And to do that, I want to take you to an Old Testament scripture in Daniel chapter 10. Now, Daniel um, was a was a great young man who was taken captive when Israel was taken over, and he served under under an ungodly king, but he kept his own faith in God and trust in God, and there's great stories in the book of Daniel about his faith and trust in the Lord. In Daniel chapter 10, we're going to read about this revelation or that, that comes to Daniel, and we're going to learn something about the spiritual realm and about Uh, spiritual warfare and about what happens in that realm that we don't see with our eye that we discern with our spirits and here's what it says in daniel chapter 10 verse 1 through 14 it says this in the third year of king cyrus of persia a revelation was given to daniel who was called belshazzar its message was true and it concerned a great war the understanding of the message came to him in a vision at that time Daniel, he mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat, no wine touched my lips. I used no lotions until the the three weeks were over. And on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing at the bank of the great river of the Tigris, I looked up and before me, I saw a man dressed in linen, a belt of fine gold of upaz uh, around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and his legs gleamed burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were around me didn't see it, but terror overwhelmed them and they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, 
gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face was turned deathly pale and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking and I was listening to him. I fell into a deep sleep and my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. And he said this to me as I stood trembling. Verse 12. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day, would you say first day, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the peace, excuse me, the prince of Persia Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. The vision concerns a time yet to come. Subsequently to this verse, Daniel would be given this revelation about the end times. It was a great war, and that great war was about the end of times. And we're not going to dive into all of that today, but it was basically the first version of the book of Revelations, if you will, given to Daniel in that period of time that he would know the end of time. But what I want to do is I want to look today at the sequence of events that we just read about. Because there's something that we can learn that's really vital to our walking out our faith here on this planet in a natural way. First, it begins in Daniel chapter 10 with Daniel getting a revelation of a great war. And when he gets this revelation, I love how the story tells it because it's like you can drop into the story and like feel and see what Daniel was feeling and seeing. And it says that this was disturbing. He had this great war and he didn't really understand what it meant. Can you imagine this? Like, you have this great revelation of this great war, and you're like, what does this mean? Does this mean a great war is about to happen? Is there something I need to do to prepare? Do I need to tell someone? Like, all it is is questions, not answers. Can you can tell where he's at in this moment, right? And so his response is a response where he fasts and he prays. And he is seeking the Lord for understanding. This goes on for 21 days, three weeks when I was reading the scripture, I was really convicted. I thought, if I had that vision and it disturbed me, would I fast and pray for three weeks to understand? Would I fast and pray for three days to understand? Like I was, a, I was convicted. I thought, I thought, Lord, I don't know if I have the grit that I see here in Daniel to really seek you for the revelation of what just happened. I was convicted by that. And so here's Daniel. He's, he's setting the tone and he's praying and he's fasting and he's seeking the Lord for revelation. And then when he encounters this messenger, it says in verse 12 again, it says, then he continued, Daniel, don't be afraid. Now listen to this. Since the first day, would you say first day? Since the first day, that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God. Your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of per- the Persian kingdom resisted me 
for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me, chief princes, excuse me, because I was detained there by the king of Persia. What this, what this encounter is saying is he's saying, listen, I'm sorry it took me a minute, 21 days later. He said, your prayer was heard the very moment that you began to pray. I was on my way from the moment you started to pray. But I was resisted. The enemy, the prince of, uh, of the Persian kingdom, which is a, a demonic entity, was resisting this messenger from coming to Daniel. There was this war going on in the realm of the spirit as Daniel was praying. And the message was coming to Daniel, but it was delayed. And then it gives us insight that Michael, one of the chief princes, this angelic being, came to help this messenger so that he could break through and get to Daniel. Y'all, the answer was on its way from day one. Now, y'all need to hear this this morning. God hears you. He hears you. And he cares. Silence is not ambivalence. Silence doesn't mean that he doesn't care, that he's not answering, that you're not reaching the ears of heaven or or, or God's heart. it, It doesn't mean that. Sometimes silence means that there's contending going on. There or silence can mean there's something that you don't see or you don't hear, but silence does not ever mean that God just doesn't care or is checked out. And one of the things that really is so compelling to me about this scripture is that there are moments in our lives where contending really matters. And I think it takes a lot of wisdom. And I think it takes a discernment of the spirit. What I mean by discernment of the spirit is it's, a, it's our way of saying understanding in the realm of the spirit, which is we, we get it through our spirit and we understand it in our own heart and mind. There are times when we can pray and it's done. Like Jesus said you know, to, uh, to the official, he says, listen, your son is healed. And the guy turned around and went home. He was healed the very moment Jesus said, right? There's another time where Jesus is healing a blind man, and it's, like, it's more than once. He's like, well, now I see people with trees. All right, let's pray again. Like there was this process of contending for the man to be healed. There are moments where, there's, where contending actually matters, where you know, the enemy doesn't want to give up. Even though he's already lost, he doesn't want to give up. You hear that today? Even though he's already lost, he doesn't want to give up. He wants to see if you'll give up. He wants to see if it's important to you. We don't have to wonder about authority. But there are moments in our lives where contending matters. I find it fascinating that the same number of days and time that Daniel fasted and prayed is the same number of days that 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 being was, was resisted by the prince of Persia. Isn't that interesting? I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say, I think Daniel was led of the Lord to know how long he needed to pray and intercede and seek the Lord for for the, the, the answer to be coming. And so, see, sometimes when you're praying, you can discern this. And I don't mean this in a spooky way. I mean this in your spirit. There are times when you're praying and you can sense a release. You can sense when it's done. You can sense... I've done what I'm supposed to do now. It is with the Lord. 
And if you have a gift of intercession, what will happen is you will pray and you will seek the Lord about a matter and it could be an ongoing thing and you'll sense this release. And if you're an intercessor, you should always be able to get a release that says, hmm, I've been heard, I've done my job today. And there are times where we go back and we go back and we go back, but I have found that in that intercession, there is a release. There is, that's why prayer is such a gift. We can take it to the Lord, and we can know, I have made my case to the Lord. I care. I have put it with him. And there are times where you go back and go back and go back, and you contend. And then there are times where you go, you know what? It's done, and I can just I can rest in what is done. Daniel is just such a great example to us. He is seeking the Lord. Can you imagine how he's just sitting there going, what does this mean? Right? And so Daniel, he's praying. And in the meantime, while he's praying, he doesn't see the battle that's going on. And we need to remember, sometimes we jump to the end in the Bible story and we think of the whole thing. From Daniel's perspective, he's praying, but he's not seeing the battle that's going on. Only later would he see the battle that's going on. And that in the meantime is a time where you might not see a lot, where you might not understand what is going on around you. It's that in the meantime where we can do a lot of misinterpreting of God or misinterpreting of what's going on in the in the realm of the spirit. That in the meantime is one of those times where we can really just start making stuff up. We can just start explaining things. We can just start filling in the blanks. Am I, you all know what I'm talking about? Because we have this need to understand, don't we? We have this need to make things to just figure it out. I I think one of the times a lot of times what we do is we'll just say, "Well, I guess God just doesn't want it." And I'm not saying that there aren't times that happens, but I think most of the time we just need to look at the word and we just need to say, well, what is God's will? Well, God wants to save people. He wants to heal people. He wants to touch people. He's for people. He loves people. He like, so if I'm praying for someone, I'm going to pray for them to be well, right? If I'm praying for some, for a relationship, I'm going to pray for it to be restored. I mean, like, I'm just, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to contend until he fills in the blank and no one else. I think sometimes we want to fill in the blank. And I'm not trying to beat up on us. This is, this is for me, if nothing else. I don't want to give up early and just fill in the blank and move on. Because there's times when contending matters. I'm so glad that when I was far from Jesus, my parents contended for me. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed and all the gray hair came on my dad's head. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. But I'm so glad someone was contending for me. And I believe that those prayers matter because I think of some of the encounters and the experiences and thoughts that I had along the way before I came to the Lord Jesus. And I think so many of those were were ushered in by the prayers of the saints praying for me and seeking God for me. I want you to know that in the meantime, your prayer matters. In the meantime is not the time to make stuff up. In the meantime is to say, God, I'm going to keep on praying until you show me something different. I'm going to keep on seeking until you show me something different. Time and time, think again, things look bad, but God has a plan. Let me say that again. Time and time again, things look bad, 
But God has a plan. Think about some of these stories in the Bible, right? Like Paul and Silas are jailed. I don't know about you, but I think if, you know, if someone in our midst was jailed and, you know, for, un, for unrighteous reasons, I'd be pretty upset about it, right? And I'd be praying for them to get out. Wouldn't you be praying for them to get out? Well, I'm reading in the story, and here Paul and Silas, and they're singing, and they're worshiping, and the whole place is filled with worship. You think God's got a plan? You think God's reaching some people in the jail in that moment? This story gets even better, though, because the jail cells open, right? And they're like, all right, lickety-split, let's get out of here. But the jailer is ready to kill himself because he knows the punishment he's going to get if these prisoners get out. And so what do Paul and Silas do? They stay in jail. I thought we were praying for them to get out. I love playing this story from different perspectives. Because I think the enemy thought, I got Paul and Silas in jail. Those suckers. I'm going to make sure they get it, that they get a beaten quite literally. I, I think he thought he was winning. Then worship is going on in the jail. He's like, and then the jail cells open up, and he's like, fine. And, he, and here's a man who's ready to commit suicide, and the enemy's thinking, well, at least I'm going to get this. He doesn't even get that. Sometimes we're playing the story just from our perspective, and God God has a different perspective. He's, he's, he's coming at it from a different way, and he's working things that we don't see. Our limited perspective only sees some of what's happening. We've got to be really careful in the meantime not to jump to conclusions, but to really seek the Lord. You know, the enemy thought he was winning when he was motivating people to put Jesus to death. Can you imagine? He thought he had it. When Jesus was taken and tortured and put on that cross and died, it looked really bad. Can you imagine what it looked like for his disciples in that moment? It looked really, really bad. But y'all, God is playing chess while the enemy is playing checkers. He is playing at a higher level. He has thought this through, and he always has a plan forward. And what I'm trying to say is so many times we get into a circumstance... And what we need to do is pray and seek and contend with what we know about the nature of God and who he is. But we need to pray and seek and and contend because there is a realm, there's a battle going on and God wins the battles. Amen. So I want to talk to you just for a moment about how do you battle? How does this work? Now, the thing you got to know is prayer is your weapon. It is your ultimate weapon. And nothing can keep you from speaking to God. Amen? Nothing. Read Psalm 139. Nothing can keep you from God. Neither height nor depth, darkness, nothing. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what's going on. You can always go to him in prayer. Amen? So it's Super Bowl Sunday um, today, and so we need to talk offense and defense. We need to give at least give a nod to what's going on around us, okay? So, defense is this. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the full armor of God. 
It says to put on the full armor of God. It's the same verse that says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities and in high places. That scripture says that we need to put on the full armor of God. We need the belt of truth. We need the breastplate of righteousness. We need uh, the, to be have our feet fitted with the gospel of peace and a shield of faith and a sword of the spirit. We need to have those things Honest, those are things you can put on is what Ephesians chapter 6 is. And you can, you can jot that down and you can read that in your devotions this week in Ephesians chapter 6 because it, it's what builds you in a way and so that you are ready for what's coming in life. Amen? The other thing that we need is we need a good offense. And we started in this series of um, Your Kingdom Come. We talked about this this idea that he, God gives us power and he gives us authority to reach a harvest. That he wants to distribute his authority and power through us as believers. And that we're not just waiting, we're not just passive, we're not just without something to do. But no, actually he gives us authority and power to operate. One of the things that's really important in this, though, is that we can't be intimidated. And I want to encourage you today, if you get intimidated, not to allow the enemy to intimidate you. Fear will cause you to do all the wrong things. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, right? Love, power, and a sound mind. Don't be intimidated. And in fact, One of my favorite verses when it comes to the enemy and his buffeting and when he comes against us is in James chapter 4, verse 7. It says this, Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. There's so much I love about this scripture. Submit to God simply means bring yourself under his authority. Well, that makes total sense, right? We need to make sure we come under his authority. Resist... Is such a simple word. Because resist means you just resist. You just hold back. Like That's not even a very offensive word, is it? An offense word. Like That's just resist him. And the reason is because the enemy does not have authority over you. Can I hear an amen? He does not have authority. You submit yourself to God. You resist the enemy. And he will Flee from you. I want to couple that with, with another concept. In the, in the book of Jude, there's this phrase where it says, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. This phrase. And what we see in Jesus' ministry is there were times where he just spoke to the enemy or, or the, the, um, the disciples would go out and drive out demons and, and pray for the sick and things like that. There are moments where we use our words to cooperate with what God is saying and the enemy has to go. Do you hear what I'm saying today? Right? Resist the enemy, he must flee. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. And so in our lives, what I find in my own life when it comes to those times when I feel buffeted or pressure, you ever have those moments where you're just walking through your week, everything is fine, and inexplicably it feels like all of a sudden water's pushing against you. All of a sudden it feels like you're going uphill when you know you're on, on dry ground. All of a sudden you're niggly. You're like, what does that mean? Niggly, I just thought, hey, let's do some vocabulary. Niggly is like a British word that people use when they're feeling like, feeling like irritable and just 
I know that's not y'all. You can ask Elizabeth. I get niggly every once in a while. I'm just a little, you know. Now, I'm not talking about the niggly that is your character. You just, you know, need to change your character, right? Okay. I'm talking about sometimes you feel a little niggly because you're feeling that pressure. You're feeling that buffeting. You're feeling that, that resistance to what you're doing. And it takes discernment. And we as believers, this is an art, not a science. We have to have discernment to know when is it just your character and when is the enemy actually just pressing up against you and resisting you? If it's your character, you just repent and say, God, help me to be a nice person. <laughs> right? Just, just repent. He loves you. Just, just say, God, I just changed my heart. Changed my, I need your help. The Holy Spirit will empower you. He'll give you the fruits of the Spirit. It's, he's there for you. But there are times where you have to just say, you know what, I am resisting the enemy. What I love is there are moments when you feel oppressed. If you, if you, if you just rest in the scripture, all I need to do is submit myself to God, resist him. He has to flee. This has to break. This has to go. And what I love about that is in my experience in walking with Jesus, I know every single time he has to go. And you can build up that trust if you know what? It has to go. He has to go. He doesn't have authority. He may press, but he may not stay. He may come and buffet, but he's not allowed to hang out here because he does not have authority over me. Resist the enemy, resist the devil, and submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he must flee. But then there are those moments as well where the enemy, and if you remember the message I preached last year about the staff, there are moments where God has, he has put authority in you and he wants you to speak after him and cooperate with what he has said. And you just have to stand and say, hey, get out of here. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. You don't have authority here. You're not allowed to hang. There are moments where you just need to say with the Lord and where God wants you to stand up and use the authority that he's put in your own heart and your own mind. Here's the thing. He has the power and he brings his authority through you and he wants you to cooperate with him. Amen? Now, it's not just for you. One of the reasons why he wants us to walk in this authority that he puts in our lives is because he wants us to be able to bring that authority into dark places. You see how smart God is? He's not just making us dependents. He is making us cooperative in his kingdom. He has the authority. He has the power. I love in Joshua chapter 23 where it says, The Lord's driven out before you a great powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes, routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you. Just as he promised, so be very careful to love the Lord your God. I love this because it basically is saying, Y'all, this is not a fair fight. It's not a fair fight. The fix is in. And we know who wins. It says one puts a thousand to flight. Y'all, it ain't fair. It's not a fair fight. And the Lord is there with you. And it takes 
discernment and it takes contending and it takes seeking the Lord because there are times when we need to know, God, what part of this is the enemy? What part of this is just life? What part? And the Lord will give you understanding and he will give you insight because what he's trying to do is equip you so that the enemy cannot use the same tactic over and over and over again. For many of us, it's a, it's a pattern of thinking. For many of us, it's, a, it's, a, it's an experience that is pressed upon. For some of us, it can be he will bring shame into our lives and the enemy will sit there and he will be making a case out of something that Jesus removed as far as the east is from the west and isn't holding over your life. And he'll be making those things. But God wants you to have confidence that he's removed that shame and isn't holding it over your life. And he wants you to be able to say to the enemy, that's not the truth. I've been forgiven. That's not the truth. No, I don't think like that. Why? Because God's given me a a different way to think about my own provision and about my own life. I'm not going to go after that line of thinking. The, The premise is wrong because God has saved me. And what the Lord wants to do is he wants to equip you and strengthen you so that you can walk in that strength and power. And as you experience it over your own life, he enables you to share those truths with others. He wants to distribute authority and a power through us. And I just want to encourage you. One of the very first places that this happens is your home. I always say your home is one of the places you can have the greatest confidence that God's power and grace and authority is over. That's your house. You're under his authority. We go into places that are darker than others and things like that. But see, we bring him with us. That's like the next level of it. I'll preach all day. Let me, I want to give you our our takeaways from today. I I knew that today I might preach a little longer than usual, but I want to give you some of the takeaways um, in in kind of like an encapsulated form. Um, (laughs) I have six takeaways, Um, but they're what I've already talked about. Number one, there's a spiritual realm of battle that you do not see, you discern. There's a spiritual realm of battle that you do not see, but you discern. Number two, contending, praying, seeking the Lord matters. It matters. Number three, don't misinterpret persecution as losing. (laughs) Persecution does not mean losing. little addendum, this was in my notes. Don't forget who the enemy is. The enemy is not people. It's never the people. It's the spiritual forces. Number four, don't misinterpret the me- in the meantime time, right? Don't misinterpret the space where you're not sure what's going on or what God's doing. Don't fill in the blank. Don't make stuff up. Remember, God's playing chess while the enemy is playing checkers. Things can look bad. Things have looked really bad in Scripture, and God was just playing against the enemy. You think you're crucifying Jesus and he is taking the sin of the world to the cross right now. Number five, he gives us power and authority. If you sense in your prayer that you need to speak something, that you need to say something, you need to do it. You just need to step out and do it because God wants you to have power and authority. And number six, sounded longer than it really is, 
Number six, the fix is in. God's team wins. The fix is in. You're on the right side of this. Seek him. Seek after him. And don't allow there to be intimidation in your life because the enemy loses. I want to take a moment and I want to pray with you today. Can I do that today? What I want to pray for us today is not just for those who maybe you came today and and you're in the middle of that pressure. You're in the middle of that sense and you're feeling that. I want to pray for you today for a breaking and a breaking loose. But more than that, I want to pray that God will heighten our discernment and wisdom when it comes to these kinds of things. Because the enemy sometimes will play something against us and it takes us off the field for a day, a week, three weeks, three months. And God wants to give you victory. Can I pray with you today? Father, we love you today. And we thank you, Lord God, for your authority and your power. And Lord, while we recognize that there are spiritual forces, Lord Jesus, that war against your kingdom. Lord, today we don't, we don't recognize that with fear. And we certainly do not elevate it because, God, you are great and mighty and you have already won. God, we come before you today. And I pray today for those who maybe today, maybe this week, they have felt buffeted. They felt niggly. They felt like the enemy has just kind of rushed in and tried to attack them. And there's been discouragement. There's been depression. There's been frustration. There's been anger. There's even been strife. Jesus, we just, as your scripture says, We humble ourselves before you. We submit ourselves before you. And we just say, God, we need you. We cry out for you. And God, we resist the enemy. For those of us, God, who we just don't even have the the strength to swing a punch, we just say, God, we resist the enemy. And he has to flee. He has to flee. And God, for... Those of us that you're putting a word in our mouth, we say, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. You're, you're not allowed to mess with our homes and our families, with our possessions or with our health. You don't have authority. You don't have permission. This is not your realm. You need to go because really the gates of hell will not prevail against God and his church. You're the one on the run. The increase of his government, Jesus's government, his government and peace will never end. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, God, that we don't have to walk in a 24-7 fight. But, God, there's a peace and a rest that comes upon us that we can rest in you. But, Lord, may we have the discernment that we know when to rise up and pray the prayer of faith. We know to rise up and to agree with you. And, Lord, I pray today for us, Lord. I pray that we would not fill in blanks on our own. That in the meantime... And when things look bad, Lord, that we will remember that you're playing chess while he's playing checkers. And Lord, that you are on the winning side of this. You have a plan and a purpose and you win. And Lord, today our faith is in you, not in what we understand. Our faith is in you, not what we see in the natural. Our faith is in you because you're a good God and you're winning. Lord, may we see with our spiritual eyes the things that we don't see. Lord, reveal to us from your heart, Lord God, what you're doing. Show us what you need us to know, that we might cooperate with what you're doing and how you're doing it. We thank you for the power and the authority, Lord, that is in your kingdom. We give you all the glory and all the praise. And I pray, Lord God, 
that, Father, we as a, a church family, that we be a family of warriors for you. Father, that our feet would be fitted with the gospel of peace, and yet we would wield the sword of the Spirit, Lord God. We glorify you. We honor you. We thank you for this day. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Be blessed today. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church. Have a great day.